You are listening to a Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We encourage you to share this with friends and family, but ask that you do not edit it without the permission of the owners. This Bible Talk is designed to supplement belonging to a local church with its teaching and community, not to replace it. We pray this talk helps you love Jesus and become more like him. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Hey, it's great to be with you uh, here today. And you know, as mentioned, my name is Pat. Please come say good day after. We are going to dive into First Timothy uh, chapter 2. We are going to dive, uh, go all around the Bible. Um, but we're going to be looking at uh, the, the, the term within the Great Commission, therefore go. Shortest Bible passage I've ever had to memorise for a talk. Therefore go will be the two words we're particularly going to focus on tonight. Because I believe that some of you heard Dave Chiswell talk about uh, making disciples before you actually went into O-Week. And so this is kind of in a similar vein, uh, talking about the same thing. But before I preach, let me pray. So please, if you're comfortable, bow your heads with me. Our Lord and God, you've called us to know you, to love you, to serve you. So as we come to your word, please comfort us in our anxieties, strengthen us in our weaknesses and heal us in our doubts. God, your words are so powerful and with them you've created galaxies and universes. So come to this short passage today. May we, may we be reminded by the power that your instruction has just with a few words. But I kind of want you to come back with me. The year is 1961 and the Green Bay Packers have just played in the Super Bowl Grand Final. I see a lot of blank faces. Does anybody know what the NFL is? Stick your hand up. Okay, it's like five people. This analogy is going to hit the floor. But they've just lost the game. Let's not even focus about the rules or anything like that. Don't worry about it. It was rough. They should have won. They were the best team all season. It was theirs in a bag. Now, their coach was a, name, a man named Vince Lombardi. And he walked into the training camp the next year and he had a totally different plan. He'd thrown out the whole rule book. He was like, we're going back to basics. We're, think, we're taking nothing for granted. And he started the football season with the most basic fundamentals of football. It was le like learning to ride from the very first time again. And he, he stood in front of 38 prof professional athletes. Like, these guys are the elite of the elite. Millions of people are after their job. And he stood up in front of them and he held up a football and he said, Packers, this is a football. Kind of showing to them that they are going to learn what a football is and they are going to go right back to the fundamentals. They, won on, they went on to win that year's Super Bowl 37-0. to zero, And then they won the next seven Super Bowls. And now the NFL trophy is called the Lombardi Trophy. This guy was incredible. But the practice of nailing the fundamentals, he has been practiced just time and time again. It's been practiced by like, successful companies like Apple. They kind of keep it simple and keep it perfect. And it's been other sports teams like the Chicago Bulls under Phil Jackson. They just nail the fundamentals. So it's been a while for us. We've been knocked around a fair bit. COVID's kind of taken the wind out of our sails a little bit. But like CU, let's get back to the fundamentals. All right. Jesus in our passage, 
The Great Commission has called us to go. He's called us on a mission, but before we explore that mission and strategy in detail, let's first stop off at two fundamentals behind this call. So our first fundamental is this. We are based on the Bible. We as Christians believe and follow the Bible. Monash Christian Union. This is a Bible. This is a Bible. You as a club, as, you've, as we've just heard, have a vision that everyone might know a disciple-making disciple of Christ. That is an awesome vision. And your mission is to make, mature and mobilise, send disciple-making disciples of Christ for the glory of God. For you to achieve this vision and mission, you need to start in the Bible. Because this book informs all that you know about God, all that we know about ourselves, how we view other people, how to navigate this increasingly complex world, why we do mission even in the first place, all comes out of the Bible. It is absolutely critical to us and our mission, but also to our personal lives. Because God in his wisdom has given us the Bible to see him and to know him. We can trust the Bible because, as we heard before, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting and training in righteousness, that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now let's unpack that small passage very briefly. The Bible is useful for teaching. We can learn how to navigate the world through it. It rebukes us. When we read the Bible, we realise how short we fall of God in rebellion. It even corrects us, not just showing our falling short, but actually showing us how life is designed to be lived. And it trains us in righteousness, doesn't it? The Bible is about and trains us how to be right with God. It trains us how to be an everyday grace recipient. No one in this room is a graduate of grace. It's with the above teaching, rebuking, correcting and training that we're actually able to go and do work on behalf of God. God has shown himself to us in this book. He's inspired authors in different places and times to write the scriptures that we now have and that we can now trust. In this day and age, it's very hard to discern what is true and what is false. Fake news seems to be prevalent everywhere and everybody is questioning every ounce of truth. But in the Bible is plain truth. We don't have to figure it out. We can read it and say it's true because it's the Word of God. Because Jesus himself, when he was here on earth, he appealed to all Scripture as the ultimate authority. The Bible also has authority over our lives, not just authority, but supreme authority. Now, it's not the only authority. We have parents, we have teachers, we have governments, we have police, you have pastors, you have coaches, etc. You have lecturers and Whatever else happens at uni, I'm not even sure these days. But the Bible is the supreme authority over our lives. Therefore, what it says matters and what it says goes. It has the final word. Because our beliefs, our values, our mission, our vision all come out of what does the Bible say. We need to not only be in this book when we're on mission, right? We need to be in this book before we even think about going on mission. It's amazing how important this book is, yet how neglected it is in our lives. Last year, I watched the incredible, best-ever sitcom, The Office. And it wasn't the first time I'd watched it all the way through. 
It's probably the third or maybe even fourth. But to watch the office straight through is 74 hours. That is 3.1 straight days I spent watching The Office last year. I watched it for joy, I watched it for comfort, and I watched it for rest. I had to ask myself a hard question at the start of this year, didn't I? Do I find comfort and joy and rest in the Bible like I do in the office? Because I had, last year I'd what, what let the office wash over me daily, discipling me. And it was at points of frustration. I'd be hearing Michael Scott quotes rather than like anything of use, even though they're awesome. But it was a massive reality check for Pat. Am I being discipled by the office? And I'm being discipled by the very words of God that he has blessed me with. You see, by only speaking to God in his word and praying to him in prayer, can we hope to have our hard hearts be changed for God? I would love for you to make the commitment with me now, especially those of you on committee, to be reading at least some, just even a snippet of this book every day. Because if this is how you know God, and if you're on mission for God, then you have to be in this book often, even before you start to think about mission. So that's our first fundamental. The Bible is our foundation. Brings us to our second fundamental. The gospel is our centre. Let me just read the passage again so we know where we're at. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now for a person to become a disciple of Jesus, they need to know Jesus. The gospel is all about Jesus. They need to know all that Jesus commanded the disciples and that is the gospel. So what's the gospel? You may have heard this question, it may actually fill you with anxiety when you get asked it. And if that is the case, that is okay. If you've never heard what the gospel is, that is okay and it's my absolute pleasure to share it with you now. The gospel wider is the fundamental story between God and humanity. It is what Christians believe and it's what we actually go on mission with. So let's go over a really quick gospel presentation under the headings creation, fall, redemption, recreation. That's creation, fall, redemption, recreation for all the note takers. It's an easy way to remember the gospel. So let's start with creation. In the beginning, God created everything, the world and all that is in it. Creation was good and creation existed for humanity and God to dwell We are God's creation, created for relationships, and that's why the last two years has really hurt. You, in this room, are not an accident. I am not an accident. You are made in God's image, deliberately created by Him. But in the fall, we rebelled against God. We are sinners and we chose our joy and happiness over others. Our kingdom over the kingdom of God. Sin and death entered the world and poisoned the good creation that God had made. The relationship between God and mankind was severed because a holy and perfect God could never be in the presence of evil. But God didn't leave it in that state. In the act of redemption, He immediately enacted a plan of salvation for those who He calls. Because God loves us, Jesus died for us. That's the crux. 
Because God loved us, Jesus died for us. He shared with us his life, the life of God's Son, so that we could call God Father. Our true self can only be found in reconciliation and forgiveness that we find in Jesus and actually becoming a child of God. God is love and justice and wants us to be in relationship with Him. God loves those who don't love Him, you and I. In Jesus, He lived the life that we couldn't and He died the death that we should have. His righteousness became our righteousness. We must repent asking for forgiveness and, learn, and turning the other way. We must believe transferring, transferring our trust from ourselves onto Jesus. And then we come to recreation. We live in the reality of the truth that one day Jesus is coming back to make all things new. And it, when he does, we're either for him and with him or against him as an enemy. Either he will embrace us as his own, or he's going to say, I don't know you. That day will be the very last day of suffering in your life, if you are in Jesus. The very last day of suffering in your whole life, if you're in Jesus. That will be the last day you ever wonder, why is this happening? The last day you ever weep over losing a loved one. The last day you ever feel the, the pain of abuse or betrayal or neglect. The last day that you ever feel lonely. It will be perfect. Perfect. However, if you don't know him, the last day will not be like that for you. If you don't know him, if your love and trust and restoration isn't found in Jesus and it's found in yourself, then you'll face the wrath of God. Because Jesus takes on the deserved punishment of those who have faith in him, and those who choose to take on the deserved punishment without Jesus will bear it on themselves. Now, speculation as to what this experience will be like is problematic, because as we try and imagine it, we think of cartoon depictions of hellfire and brimstone and quite unhelpful things. But note this, no one spoke more often and more tenderly and with more compassion than Jesus. The one who is in love spoke about the reality of a kingdom without him. Jesus spoke frankly that restoration would not be for everyone. But to everyone, restoration is available. That's the gospel. The gospel message is the Bible tells you that you are worse than you can ever possibly imagine, doesn't it? But it also tells you that you are more gloriously loved and cared for than you could ever fathom. That's the gospel. And every presentation of the gospel, just like the one I just did there, requires explanation. It requires sitting down with someone and explaining parts of it. But it also requires the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to actually reveal God to the person who's hearing the gospel. Until the person has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, they will find the gospel offensive. Because you're telling them that they are bad. And that is hard to hear. Because in CU, in this Christian union, 
If you have accepted the gospel, you have taken off your crown of selfishness, of greed, of envy, of foolishness, and you've finally entered the kingdom of God with King Jesus on the throne. The kingdom with inhabitants that are marked by the gospel, you are God's child if you're in the, go- in, in the kingdom. You are not, the gospel isn't an aspect of your life, the gospel is your entire life. It is everything through which you see everything. And so if you're new or visiting or this is your first base camp ever and this is the first time you've ever had heard the message of Jesus, that is awesome. Please have a chat with me, have a chat with one of the staff workers or apprentices or the committee or whoever brought you here. Please have a chat with them and don't let this message go alone. We would love to get to know you and hear your story and share our story with you. So those are our fundamentals. The Bible is our foundation and the gospel is our centre. So with the Bible as our foundation and the gospel as our centre, let's turn and look at the mission from God in the passage. If you've got your Bibles, wake up, think of the first point, have them open, it'd be great to uh, read along with us. Let's read it again. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That is the mission that this text sets out. Go in all authority and power to all people because God's mission is people. God's mission is people. And that raises the question, who are we to go to? And I think the answer is in verse 19. It says, make disciples of all nations. Now, I hope you don't feel left out when you read this text. It's literally the most all-encompassing statement on the planet. It is abundantly clear from this text that the message of Jesus, the Lord of the universe, is for all nations. Throughout the last 2,000 years, we've seen that, haven't we? We've seen God's mission as He continues to communicate His amazing love to the world. The The mission that changes lives, it restores souls, it redeems relationships. It frees oppressed people. It is the most powerful thing in the universe. That is the gospel. And to get a clear picture of what we're not to go do, it's worth looking at what God's mission isn't. God's mission isn't. Go therefore and make a great Christian club where everyone thinks, talks and behaves the exact same way. Where people can attend, consume and leave. That's not God's mission. God's mission isn't to be with people you love to be with all the time, where you get to ignore the people you don't really like and hang out with just the people you love. That's not God's mission. God's mission isn't for us to have the biggest gatherings, to have the most people at the most stuff and be doing the most walk-up. That's not God's mission. God's mission isn't where we have a circle of those on the in and a circle of those on the out. Again, it isn't God's mission. He doesn't say... Go, therefore, and create cultural, Christian, political agendas, nationalism and tribalism. Go, therefore, and focus on personal freedom and liberty over sacrifice and service. Focus on doing good to be seen, rather than silent, frequent and fervent prayer. All of that is not God's mission. God's mission is to go and make disciples. And some of, the, some of you, this is going to be a direct challenge, straight into your heart, I hope. You've had a few years online, campus is waking up, people are back, 
People are desperate. They are desperate to be in community. Now is not the time to have the attitude of what can I get out of this group and not contribute back. This is a call for you to be radical uni students. I want you to be nuts. I want you to compete, commit to CU and the people in it wholeheartedly. We need to make a really considered effort to get involved in the lives of one another, to know one another, to love one another, to care for one another, to celebrate with one another, and of course, to lament with one another. The call is to make a big effort in the next couple of months to get involved in people's lives so that at CU, you feel connected and other people will then feel connected to you. My prayer is that you foster a community so great that it naturally explodes into mission, outlook and focus. A community in which we have people meeting up and reading the Bible together often. That would be awesome. The dream is for your CU to be a place that knows the love, the truth, the beauty, the relevance of Jesus and just goes and makes him known on, on campus to all who will hear it. That means you go deep with one another first so you can go out boldly with one another later. So we've heard the mission. God's mission is people. That leads us to the strategy. If God's mission is people, his strategy is you. God's mission is people and his strategy is you. See, we all have a role in going. In the word go, we all have a role in evangelism. Every single person hearing this message, no matter what your situation you are in, you have a role in playing in the mission of God because God, in his mysterious, mysterious wisdom, has chosen you to do it. This is one of the coolest realities, the call to go that Jesus placed on us in this passage. You see, he first encourages us with all authority. All authority is with him. And then he calls us to go in power and in light of that. If Jesus has all authority, and if Jesus will be with us always, then why does Jesus even need us at all? Why should I go talk to my mates about Jesus? If God is sovereign and God is going to save, what is the point? It's worth asking, isn't it? It brings us to a great tension, which is evangelism and the sovereignty of God. So in an orchestra, there are many different parts that play together and they, they work to create this beautiful, harmonious piece. When I was in an orchestra, I played the tuba. You've got the wind section, the brass section, the percussion section, string section is the other one, I hope. Yeah, <laughs> string section. But I was on the tuba. Now, if you don't know anything about the tuba, it's like this massive kind of thing. And I was like... I wasn't even the head tuba, I was like the second tuba, so I think I had like one note the whole time. But I would sit there and play. I would play and I'd play and I'd play and we would bring glory to the glory boys up the front, tooting away on the trumpets, you know, having the solos and stuff. You don't get a lot of tuba solos in an orchestra. But we would all play our bit and we would actually work together and harmonise and bring this beautiful piece together, even though some of us had different roles to the others. In the same way, there are many different roles in evangelism. Each of us has a distinct but complementary role to play in the lives of others knowing Jesus. And this is really worth unpacking, so let's dive into it briefly. I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 to 10. 
If you don't have your Bibles on you, it's going to be on the screen. It's a really small letter. It's at the back of your Bible. Um, if you're looking for it, it is. I'll give you a minute. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 to 10. I'm going to start reading. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you. Because our gospel came not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out to you, not rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith of God in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. And they tell us how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath or wrath, depending on how you say it. We're going to note six roles that are being played in evangelism here. The first note is, to role, is the role of God. Verse 5 says this, tells us that God chooses those to be saved. God chooses those to be saved. There is a, so, there is a sovereign role in salvation. This is the theological idea of election and predestination, like what we just sang about. The second role is the role of Jesus to save people. As verse 10 tells us, He is responsible for dying for people's sins taking the wrath of God on himself rather than it falling on us. This is the theological idea of atonement. Thirdly, Paul the evangelist in this situation has a role to communicate the gospel as we see in verse 5. He did this with both word and action. He modelled a life shaped in light of the gospel and communicated it with words clearly to them. Fourth, the Holy Spirit's role is twofold in this situation. First, it empowers the person communicating the gospel in verse 5 again, but it also works in the heart of the hearer and illuminates their heart by convicting them, opening their heart to receive the gospel with joy. And lastly, the message is about Jesus. In verse 8, it, mean, it is the means by which the Holy Spirit convicts people of their sin and enables them to welcome God's salvation with joy, with joy. You see, there's more than one thing going on at once when Jesus and you go to the nations to tell people about Him. God is the one who calls. Jesus is the one who saves. The evangelist brings the message. The Spirit calls in power, in suffering and in joy. The hearer responds in faith and repentance. The gospel message, the story of Jesus, is the instrument that is used. So that is the theological strategy of going. That is what you're going with. But it's worth touching on some blockers that still stop us from doing mission because, as we know, we don't always remember this. Because the reality that sharing the gospel with our friends and family is really, really scary. We are led to believe that everyone hates Christians and this is true in some parts of the world for sure. But in some parts of the world where sharing the gospel uh, will get you killed, will get your family tortured, will get you beaten up at, at, at best, there are massive ramifications for sharing the gospel in some parts of the world. 
But in Melbourne, at Monash, to our shame, we are afraid of raised eyebrows. We are often afraid that people will look at us funny. And we allow this to cripple us into not doing walk-up evangelism. We allow this to let that conversation go because it's in the too hard basket. We don't share the message of Jesus because of raised eyebrows. Do you resonate with this? Do you have a list of things that stop you from going on mission? Is it circumstance? Not articulate enough? Is it COVID? Lockdown? Situations? Be encouraged by this. God has placed you, you, the individual, in the circumstance you're in right now, whether it's suffering or joy, so that you can share the good news. Paul, the evangelist, shared it from chains in prison. The church has always, always been in rough positions. Just look at the way that the gospel has spread around the world continuously through every culture. Christians should be and have always been comfortable being uncomfortable. The worse our situation is, the louder people should hear the gospel from our lips. If you aren't feeling equipped or you're feeling scared about the ramifications of what might happen, let me encourage you with two things from the passage. All authority has been given to Jesus. Not some authority, not part of the authority, all authority lies with Jesus and he will also be with you until the end of the age. Christian Union, we've been told to go, we've been told to multiply, we've been told to make disciples of all the nations, we've been told to go because God's mission is people and his strategy is you. So I pray for boldness for you. If you're the only Christian witnessing to your family, that is one of the hardest situations going around. Go boldly. I pray for boldness. If you're the only Christian in your friendship circle, be bold. Stand firm and proclaim Jesus to your friends. Their hearts are empty and incomplete without Him. And I pray for boldness to go whatever you're studying, even the art students, I pray for you. When you go out and work, sorry, art students, and (laughs) make sure you keep your faith, when everybody in the world is going to be pulling you away in a different direction. I pray for boldness that you may proclaim in those situations. I pray for boldness for those who are going to be stuck at home for parts of your lives, whether it be sickness or circumstance or something else. I pray that you may become a prayer warrior like we've never seen, that you are still participating in the lives and ministry of evangelism by holding up those who are on the ground in prayer, praying for your unbelieving friends' hearts to be changed. And I pray for boldness for those who are considering a career change, maybe thinking about doing an apprenticeship like some people are doing here, maybe stepping into vocational church ministry at some stage in your life. Go for it. I pray and I bet the reason why you're not doing it straight away is because you're scared. We're all scared. Come be scared with us. It's really fun. And I pray for boldness to go for those who have the opportunity to take places where the gospel's never been. I particularly pray for you. I pray that out of this room, there is people raised up to take the gospel to a nation that has never heard it. Because that's the instruction, isn't it? Monash, I'm not telling you to go. I'm not telling you to go. 
Jesus has called you to go. So, let's keep the Bible at our fingertips. Let's keep the Gospel on our lips. Let's make the most of every opportunity. Let's go. I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, you've given us a challenging word tonight to go. Father, it's one of those words that when we really sit down and think about it, we do tremble. But we are also so emboldened, so encouraged, so reassured by the fact that you have all authority and that you will be with us always. Father, we just sung that our heads are full of rocks and our hearts are made of stone, so please increase in us a new heart which is just on fire for you, a new heart which is keen to go, a new heart which is keen to see other people come into fullness of relationship with you. Father, please encourage us to go. Equip us with friends that encourage us to go. Equip equip us with the tools and the resources that we need to go. Equip us with the financial funding that we need to go. Father, equip us with everything. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We long to see everyone at Monash University know a disciple-making disciple of Jesus Christ. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would love to support Monash Christian Union, you can do so via the link in the podcast description.